Well, the way they pick TV shows is they make one show. That show's called a pilot. Then they show that one show to the people who pick shows. And on the strength of that one show, they decide if they want to make more shows. Some get chosen and become television programs. Some don't. Come nothing. Hello and welcome to the Pilot Season Podcast. This is episode number 18. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And this is the podcast where if you're uh, your first time listener, this is the podcast where we watch just the pilot episode of a television show, just the first episode, and we we kind of dissect it, we talk about it, we have some fun with it. And every week we alternate picks, and this week was my pick, and I picked... ER, the 1994 pilot episode of ER that aired on NBC for ER, and uh, I think was on for like 15 seasons. It's on for crazy. It's on for a long time. I think it's like one of the highest running shows in TV history. Um, Definitely one of the highest. I think the highest nominated uh, uh, Emmy nominated show in television history with something like 120 or 123 nominations, um, probably a couple dozen wins, if I had to guess. Um, now, we usually talk about kind of our own, you know, personal history, if any, with the shows that we watch, and this was a show that that I used to watch pretty religiously back in the day. I, I I watched it probably for a solid uh, five or six, maybe seven seasons. Just a great show. I mean, just, you know, it was always well written, well acted. That You know, I, I lost track of it after a while. Um, the cast changed as, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's such a huge cast to begin with, even from the very first episode. You know, it had its core characters, but there was always so many background characters um i you know i kind of lost track of it after a while and i do remember watching i did come back and watch the finale of it which was really good but um in doing this show this was definitely a pilot that i wanted to revisit because it had been i mean it's 23 years since it since it aired in 1994 so I kind of wanted to revisit it and just kind of, you know, to see how much I remembered. And um, But it's not stream. Well, I'm sorry. It, it is available. I think you can purchase it streaming like on Amazon, but it's not streaming anywhere else. Like you can't watch it on Hulu or Netflix or anything like that. But one day I was at a like a discount store. It was like Dollar General. And they have pre-packaged like movies and TV shows. And it was the, the pilot episode was in a, it, it was like in this pre-packaged, um, like envelope. Like, it, it, I mean, it, you know, it, it has the ER, like, it's like they basically took the, the cover, like the DVD cover and put it on this kind of like envelope and just packaged it and shrink wrapped it and said, "Here, this is like two bucks or something." <laughs> I 
So I figured for that, you know, I, I kind of couldn't pass it up. So th I've, I've been holding on to this for probably a year um, so we could watch it. Mm -hmm. um, and we finally did. So um, what about you? Have you previously, previously watched ER or? Yeah. Um, I honestly can't remember if I watched it from the beginning but I definitely watched it for a few years. I don't know if I've seen this pilot before um, because 94, 94 I graduated from high school and then went to college and um, I didn't watch a lot of TV in college. I was busy mm -hmm. and I don't know if I picked it up later or maybe it was one of the few things I did watch in college. I really can't remember. I just know... I only followed it for a few years, and I think one of the reasons I first kind of started watching it is because um, the one actress is um, the person who plays um, Dr. Lewis is um, Sherry Stringfield, mm -hmm. and she was on Guiding Light, which was my soap back oh, okay. in the day, and you don't often see a soap actor or actress make it beyond soaps mm -hmm. um i don't know what it is about that world of like soap operas but like once you're in one it's so hard to go somewhere else i think people probably think they're going to use it as a stepping stone mm -hmm. but only a few people actually get out of that realm and and do like quote regular work yeah so it was like one of those things where like oh i know her She's on, she was on my soap, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I also want to say that this was in the, like, a Thursday night time slot, I, which is, like, yeah. a really popular... It, it was usually, it was, like, the 10 o'clock time slot, I think. Yeah, so I definitely have, like, you know, a background with it, but I can't remember the precise span of years that I actually watched the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so I'm going to we're going to start off I want to I'm going to actually use the the package that I bought this um as kind of a springboard into this discussion. I'm going to I'm going to read the 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 back of it and also a couple of other things on it. <laughs> so it says life, death, no appointment necessary. <laughs> oh boy. Uh everything is an emergency and every emergency is business as usual as we first meet the young residents and interns of Chicago's County General Teaching Hospital. Among the events, Dr. Green, who's Anthony Edwards, receives a tempting offer from a prestigious private practice. Dr. Benton, who's uh, Eric LaSalle, risks unauthorized surgery in order to save a life. And inexperienced Dr. Carter, Noah Wiley, must contend with several unorthodox emergencies on his first day in the ER. So, I remember when this show was first announced or when it first aired or whatever, like, I didn't... Now, I mean, now, like, pretty much, like, if you were in ER, you became, like, a household name. Mm -hmm. At the time, when ER was not ER, um, the only actor I recognized was Anthony Edwards. Right. I mean, he was, you know, Goose. Goose. And he was in um, Revenge of the Nerds. 
and he was in uh, uh, another 80s movie called Gotcha, which was kind of like a fun spy movie that he starred in. But, so this is a world, so, so also on this package, this is a world in 1994 where Anthony Edwards gets top billing over George Clooney. Well, there's a, a first and a last time for everything, I suppose. <laughs> so, George Clooney, I mean, George Clooney is George Clooney. But at the time, 1994, George Clooney was not George Clooney. Um, you know, I think Just he had... a guy who had played George on The Facts of Life. That's right. And he was in Roseanne. <gasps> You're right. He was the plant manager yes. on Roseanne yes. who dated Jackie... And didn't wasn't he like didn't he like smack her or something? What didn't he like abuse her? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like he did. I feel like he was kind of like a jerk on the show. No, not George. Mm-hmm. And then, oh my. And then, so and ironically, I, I forget when this was. I'd have to look it up. He starred on a he starred in a short lived sitcom called ER. What? He was a, he was at the doctor, but it was a sitcom sit scenario. So pretend you're George, George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Like hey, George. What are, you, what are you working on these days? <laughs> ER. Oh. Is that the No, no, no. I'm on a different ER. Like, mm-hmm. how do you... That never happens. There's never really two shows with the same title, and if there are, you never have the same actor. Yeah. That's so, so like, weird. George Clooney, up until this point, did not have a super successful career. He was just kind of a, a bit player. He'd get, you know, he'd have roles here and there, but ER is really what propelled like him. Made him. Yeah. Yeah. So so we, we kinda have six core characters or uh, we've got Anthony Edwards, George Clooney, uh, Sherry Stringfield, who you already mentioned, uh, Noah Wiley, as Doctor mm-hmm. you know everyone knows Noah Wiley. Noah Wiley's a household name. Right. Um, uh, Juliana Margulies as nurse Carol Hathaway, head nurse Carol Hathaway. Uh, everyone knows her as the good wife. Right. She's the good wife, uh, which I hear that's an amazing show. I've never watched it, though. I heard it was really good. I saw a couple episodes and never really, like, connected never got with into the show. It. But I can't say that I gave it, like, an honest shake, so. Mm-hmm. And then um, Eric LaSalle as the kind of brash, uh, cocky Dr. Peter Benton, the surgical resident. Um, up to this point, the only thing I'd ever seen Eric LaSalle in was uh, the Eddie Murphy comedy coming to america he was in that he was he was remember soul glow he was the soul glow like spokesperson or model or whatever he had like long hair like a jerry curl like long hair um (laughs) we might have to watch that (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't a huge role but he was dating the girl that eddie murphy's character was interested in um he was kind of a jerk he was like a rich guy and anyway i don't know i I haven't seen that in so long (laughs) Um, okay, we'll have to put that on the list of us to personally watch, not yeah. for the podcast. Um, so, anyway, so so this this pilot episode, it doesn't really have, it's not really a, an episode that leads into a larger story. It's like every episode, it was practically, from what I remember, it, it, and this is a perfect, this pilot is a perfect example, I think, of how they structured the the, the show was, like every episode was practically self-contained. I mean, I'm sh- I know, obviously, as the show progressed, they had longer storylines with the characters and mm-hmm. situations and whatnot, but it was basically, 
here's a group of here's like a dozen characters here's all these crazy um or like intense medical situations go and it was like from the beginning it was pretty much non-stop mm-hmm. um it's a it, it's the the hospital fi- is fictional but it's set in like a very urban part of chicago mm-hmm. it's it's right in the heart of the city so they get all the you know the um the gunshot wounds uh overdoses they you know the trauma cases they kind of so so you see a lot of stuff happening in this episode you really you know the just get introduced to everyone as they're going through their day and actually the the episode takes place i don't know if you if you you probably realize this but it's like 24 hours it takes right. place over cuz St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Yes. So so it, it opens with uh, Dr. Green, who's the chief resident, who is um, woken up by one of the nurses at 6.30 in the morning uh, to take a case. And then the day progresses. Like I said, we it, it progresses over 24 hours until the show ends with him. Um, again, like sleeping, you know, sleeping in one, like an empty exam room and getting then getting woken up at 6:30 again like like the 24 hours happened so quickly in this you know in this fast-paced environment I, I don't think in a bad way but i feel like we got like so many cliched patients and cases yeah i i almost feel like the purpose of the pilot and you know purpose of lots of pilots i guess you know, we we didn't really they didn't tell us a specific story mm-hmm. per se, but they they're trying to set the background for what the show I think is going to be. They're giving us a small bit of background on the main characters. Mm-hmm. They're giving us some tidbits, especially on a couple of them, um, that would make us want to come back. Um, like what's going to happen with that little thing that they just kind of dabbled mm-hmm. with or mentioned. Um, I think they're also trying to paint a picture of both what life is like for doctors and nurses in general, like the highs and lows, mm-hmm. but also um, this specific, you know, albeit um, fictional hospital you know, one of the things that I took away at the very end was I kind of felt like it was a crazy 24 hours, but these people are kind of like a family. In some ways, they don't have time for their own families. We have Susan mentions to one of the patients who's kind of like hitting on her, like, I'm not married. I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. You know, almost like there's just no time in my life to fit in another really important piece because or, I'm completely devoted like to yeah, my work. She she or she at one point she takes a phone call from I guess a guy she's seeing and then she stops in the middle and she's like, "Wait, didn't we break up?" So it's like she it's like she almost doesn't know if she's coming or going. Yeah. And and you get that yeah, you you're right. You you get bits of that with every almost every character like that the hospital and the people they work with that's their life, that's their family. Yeah, so even though they're really, really busy and they probably only have 
seconds or minutes here and there to like develop relationships, it's very clear that some of these folks um, already have like a strong friendship, a strong bond. You mm-hmm. know, um, the Noah Wiley character, he's brand new. It's literally his first day. So he doesn't really have any connections. But mm-hmm. um, like you mentioned how it opens with Dr. Green being woken up. He's being woken up saying, can't somebody else take this? But no one else can take it, the nurse tells him, because it's Doug. It's mm-hmm. George Clooney. Right. Who, I'm not sure, and I can't remember because it's been so long, is he an alcoholic or did he just have too much to drink that night? He's, but he came into the hospital and he was just like a hot mess. Yeah, from what I what I remember the first couple seasons, um, George Clooney's character, Doug, Dr. Doug Ross, is, I wouldn't say he's an alcoholic, but he's, you know, he's a womanizer. He probably finds most of his uh, companionship at bars. And, you know, as a result, probably gets shit-faced a lot. Um, and, yeah, he um, he he's definitely, like, everyone is a little broken in this show. Definitely. Uh, a little damaged. And he, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're not really, we, we usually don't talk too much about like, you know, we, we usually only talk about just the first episode, but I just remember a lot of his episodes centered around um, just what a mess his life was, his personal life. And occasionally that spilled over into his professional life. Like the kind of contrast is, you know, he's a womanizer. He's not, you don't really think of him as like a family man or anything. He's kind of like a one night stand kind of guy hitting on anything and two legs and a skirt or whatever. But he's the, he's the ER pediatrician. So like, you know, he's like, when it comes to kids, he's passionate. Right. And I even wrote that like when there's a, one of the cases was like this abused baby and he was like, Doug Ross, defender of children. I mean, and and, yeah, and talk he, about like like a panty dropper move. I mean, like like he's standing up for kids and yelling at you know people. And I I think that that was part of his mystique. That part of like why he became such a heartthrob is because oh this guy's a mess, but he loves kids. You know. Yeah. Like I feel like women kind of go yeah, for we that. We see there's two. Two, um, you know, scenes with him while he's um, working with kids. The the first one, where there's like a new intern or something. Yeah, it's like yeah, his, like, it's his his intern. Yeah, she's kind of having a tough time with this kid, and he kind of steps in and shows her how it's done, kind of mm. almost like schmoozing with the kid a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then the the second one was with this abused baby. And um, he he wasn't having it, you know, mm-hmm. from the babysitter not wanting to get in trouble to the mom coming up with every excuse in the book. Like, he just wasn't having it. And so you do kind of think, like, wow, he's a mm, little bit of a, a jerk, maybe, but, like, cocky, just so overconfident. Mm-hmm. But really... A good person, 
at the end mm-hmm. of the day, there's, you know, defender, like you said, defender of children. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm sure, I, I imagine it's, it's tough being a pediatrician under normal circumstances. But being a pediatrician in an urban trauma unit, you probably see, you probably see so many horrible things mm-hmm. that you can't even imagine. Like, would probably make people run screaming. But that, I think, speaks to his character in a way that, like I said, it kind of contradicts or offsets the fact that he's kind of, um, you know, he, he's that, like, ladies' man, like that kind of smarmy ladies' man. I tell you what, the, the one thing I wrote about him, though, like, when he first showed up, I was like, George Clooney, that smile. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a dude, I'm a heterosexual dude, and even I'm like, damn, George Clooney. Well, there's like one. You're a handsome. You're a handsome dude. One side character, like the mother of a patient or something, was like, "Oh, he's good looking," and mm-hmm. the, and the nurse says, "Yeah," and he knows it. He knows it. Yeah. And you know, it's just like the the, the not just. I mean, because someone can be handsome, but not be charming. Like he's got it all. Like mm-hmm. he's handsome. He's charming. You know. Yeah. And yeah, I, I and I remember, like I said, I, I remember you know, various episodes or stories surrounding him and, you know, some of the situations he would get into because of his his personality and, you know, his both the good parts and the bad parts of his personality. Mm-hmm. So, um, but moving from, the, I would say the, I would, say, I would call him the original Dr. McSteamy. I was thinking the same thing. Um, I never watched Grey's Anatomy, and I know this mm-hmm. sounds ridiculous, and I'm still confused because there's a McSteamy and a McDreamy, and those are two different people. Yes. Um, sorry, I think George Clooney is McDreamy and <laughs> McSteamy. I would agree. He's the yeah. Grey's Anatomy, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for George <laughs> Clooney. Thank you. Yep, the original <laughs> sexy doctor. Um, now you know. Anthony Anthony Edwards, I think you know he he came a long way from his you know he probably kind of disappeared in the, you know in the eighties or like after some of his roles in the eighties and um, I'm sure people recognize him but he you know he looked a lot different I mean he's you know he in the eighties he had hair mm-hmm. now he doesn't he's like balding glasses kind of looks like a nerdy doctor. Well, you but know, if you, if you think about Top Gun, you know, he was no Tom Cruise, but mm-hmm. they made everybody kind of look, you know, Sexy. they had, exactly, shirts off playing volleyball mm-hmm. and, you know, muscles because, you know, they're in the military or whatever. And, yeah. you know, they're, yeah, looks a little different here. Yeah, he's, you know, he's he's more mature, he's... More seasoned, I've, and I, I feel like he's—he was the heart and soul of of that of that show for so long, and and I mean, sp- definitely this episode. I mean, and at one point, well, I guess we don't want to skip too far ahead in the, into it, but you know, the 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 chief of I think he, the chief of medicine tells him, um, "Everyone's looking to you. You set the tone." That was a oh well. William H. Macy. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> told him that. I forgot William that H. Was Macy the was... the first thing I wrote. I forgot William H. Macy was in this exclamation point. There, this show had so many great actors in it. This is this is one of those shows. I feel like every so often we come across those shows that we want to rewatch just to see who's in it. This is one of those shows. And he is he's like not he's a main character. He's in a lot of episodes, mm-hmm. I would say, but he's not you know, George Clooney or Anthony Edwards. So I think when you reflect back on it like, yeah, you totally forget that he was in this show. And he's like he's awesome. Well, and, and, and once again, he's one of those, you know, when, when he shows up, I mean, he's got screen presence. I mean, he's just an, a normal, average-looking guy, but his, just, I don't know what it is about him, but he's got this screen presence. And, again, it was one of those things, when I was watching it, I, I recognized, I'm like, oh, I like this, this Dr. Morgenstern. I like him a lot. I know he's not going to be in it that often because he's not a main character, but I like it when he shows up. And this was before, again, like... I don't think William H. Macy was a household name. I don't think he was either. I'm all I'm pretty sure that when I first watched the show years ago that I had never seen him before, had no clue who he mm-hmm. was and he's been in like a million things. Hey, I mean, well he's then. I mean, he's a, he's got his own show. I mean, he's on that show Shameless. Yeah. That's been on for for years, but he's been in great movies. Um who's he buried to? Like uh Felicity Huffman. He's married yeah. to Felicity Huffman, who was, what, on Desperate Housewives, I think? Yeah, so he uh, he, he has a few good scenes. Um, but, yeah, it, it kind of makes me sad that we're, you know, we've only gotten to see the first episode because I know for a fact, like, I can remember a lot of actors making appearances on this show, either as regular cast members or cameos or like background characters or well i actually wrote a a couple people down that i recognized okay um so i'm sure that she's in many episodes because she's mark's wife jennifer okay she is um and I never, I didn't remember this from before, but as soon as she came on screen, I was like, Psh, yeah, I know her. <laughs> and the actress's name, I had to look it up, is Christine Harnos, or mm-hmm. Harness. Dazed and Confused. Oh! Okay. I mean, that's that's the only thing I like know her from, but as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh yeah, that's that chick from now, Dazed and Now that you say that, I, I can totally see her. The other person that I recognized was um I don't know if you say it sh- like Sherry or Sherry Appleby she was in Roswell you remember Roswell from WB I never watched it but I remember it I used to watch that show and she was just uh she was a patient Oh she she was a patient okay on the show on the yeah. show okay Yeah so I kind of looked at her and I was like I think that's I'm pretty sure that's that girl really looked like her and that was probably Roswell was probably that would have been after this so this was 94 uh, yeah I thought Roswell was like late 90s yeah. maybe early 2000s yeah but I, I'm gonna say late late 90s um but yeah she she was in this mm-hmm. so 
yeah, that's all I picked out so far. But well, and um, aside from the the actors in this, the the creative side itself has a, a huge pedigree. I mean, so this the show was created by Michael Crichton, who everyone knows, you know, Jurassic Park, um, Congo. I mean, so many great books and that, that have been turned into movies, etc. Um, you may or may not know that D- Michael Crichton went to medical school, and he wrote this. He actually wrote this to be a movie. Like he wrote a screenplay for it back in the seventies, like mm. back in the late seventies. Um, shopped it around, couldn't get it um, made as a movie, but I guess showed it to someone and said. Let's rework it as a TV show. Um, I don't know how, but Steven Spielberg got involved. Steven Spielberg is like the is an executive producer in season one. Hmm. He left after season one, but apparently the the one I guess creative decision that he had a big hand in that had long lasting effects was. Um, Making Juliana Margulies a regular character, Carol Hath- Carol Hathaway was supposed to die in the pilot episode. Okay. So, so Carol Hathaway, who is the head nurse, played by Juliana Margulies, um, is kind of like, you know, she's she's one of those people that like, like, she solves problems. She's there for everyone. Everyone's calling her name throughout the day. Carol, Carol, I need this. Carol, where's this? And she. She's on top of everything, right? She looks like it's like she's got to everything. To the point of anticipating what what people need, I think. Right. So clear, like throughout the entire episode, you're thinking, "Wow, she's got her her stuff wired tight." Well, then towards the end of the episode, this uh, they bring in the you know this trauma comes in, and it's an OD, and it's Carol, and and it, it looked like really bad, like. They didn't know if she was going to make it or not, and even up to the point where it's never resolved. We we never get an answer before the episode ends whether she lives or dies. I guess originally the show was supposed to continue with with her like not returning. She was supposed to die. In fact, I think she was listed as a guest star on the on the pilot episode. Right. Mm-hmm. But she returns. And she's a series regular, and I guess that was the one thing that Steven Spielberg thought would be a good idea to bring her back. And she, I mean, she then, I mean, now again, Julia, Juliana Margulies, household name, right? You know, so if it weren't for Steven Spielberg, who knows what would have happened to Juliana Margulies? Yeah. Well, I think. Um you know, we meet all these characters, and and what I was saying before about how they they almost don't have time for their own families or have much of a life outside of the the hospital, um, and they kind of have each other, and they have a lot of support for each other, and I I think they're all like struggling with their own demons, like you mentioned, Doug, like. You think the good-looking guy with the great job and great personality, of course he'd have, you know, a girlfriend, wife, whatever, but he's got, you know, his issues with kind of just womanizing and, you know, mm-hmm. not really 
being interested in or maybe able to settle down it, just on the pilot we don't know Mark and his wife Jennifer clearly having uh, marital issues mm-hmm. and right. um, he's a doctor she's going to law school so she I wants mean, him to have uh, more of a regular job as far as doctors are concerned not the ER but like a practice where mm-hmm. it's not chaotic and crazy and, and regular whatever. hours right. better pay um and he, even she she kind of set something up with him to go across the street to some practice who's interested in having him but he i think he thrives on the the whole ER atmosphere um but clearly Carol the head nurse she's got her demons as well because like you said it really looks like she's got it together she's so on top of things and like Oh, they, she's in, they said she's engaged. Oh, yeah, they she, did mention she's yeah, engaged. she was engaged, yeah. yeah. So, like a football player or something. like, Or at least they made him sound like like a football player or an ex-football player or something. Yeah, I'm not, I don't remember that, but... Um, like, personal life, I guess, okay. Clearly her work life, you know, she's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's obviously something wrong because she didn't take all those pills for nothing. You know, and they made a couple comments about how she knew exactly what she was doing. Of course, she's a nurse. She knows how drugs work and interact and and Mm -hmm. dosages and things like that. And what she took and the level that she took or whatever was very intentional and and very harmful. Like what you even said, the the episode ends. We don't know if she's going to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, She's been in, like, critical condition or whatever for... There was mention about her brain activity, and yeah. like there was a lot. Like it sounded bad. Like she was, yeah. Like they didn't expect her to live. Right. So, and then I don't know. I get like everyone's with their demons. Like we don't really know, um, Susan, like what her deal is. Like, mm-hmm. um, doesn't have time for a relationship forgets or doesn't realize that she's in a relationship mm-hmm. um maybe that's not a demon per se but um I, and i also think like dr benton like what makes him the way he is he's very driven like driven uh almost like overconfident like when the when the episode started and like we first saw him i remember thinking "Ooh, i didn't like that guy mm-hmm and he, I do remember him, like, always just kind of being a jerk and taking a tone with people, being rude to people, putting down their skills. Like, I'm a better doctor than you. He, that was always his vibe. Well, he was always very competitive, always striving to be the best, always trying to um, grow beyond, like, to go faster and farther than anybody um, and almost, and probably even beyond his own skill set. I mean, because you know, first, like one of the doctors said, you know, you're not ready. You're, he's like, you're years away from being ready for this kind of procedure. And he was just like, nah, whatever, you know. Yeah. He kind of brushed it off. He didn't seem to take it to, you know, take it to heart. I was kind of surprised to see the one scene where they have to make a decision if they're gonna. He wants to operate, or you know. On the, I can't remember what the guy had, but the, he he feared that the guy was going to die, mm-hmm. and they didn't have he was like the bleeding right internally and literally yeah. like in the hospital at, at that time. 
So he wanted to start the procedure, and they did call for other people. Like, they, they called the head, William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his, Dr. Morgan Stern. Mm-hmm called him but he was at like an event so he couldn't get there right away and like other surgeons who were in the middle of surgery so dr benton started the procedure even though he maybe wasn't prepared to do this entire procedure himself but he kind of gave himself like almost a little bit of a pep talk and i was almost surprised only because i I probably didn't start ER from the beginning, like I said before, I can't remember, but mm-hmm. I never saw him in like a vulnerable or recall seeing him in a vulnerable state. Like he's always so confident, I've got this, I yeah. know exactly what to do. And in that scene, he was basically not sure, but he was just pep, kind of like was a little pep talk to tell tell himself like, I can do this, I'm going to go in there, it's going to be okay, I'm doing the right thing, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And in the end, he did the right thing. Like the yeah. William H. Macy, Dr. Morgenstern, um, said, you know, not the best cut or whatever I've ever seen, but you did the right thing, like yeah, bringing you, this guy yeah, in here Yeah, he said you were lucky, but you did the right thing. You, you saved his life, yeah. basically. Well, yeah, there was a moment where he was talking with Sherry Stringfield, Dr. Susan Lewis, about the case, and she's she's questioning him too, and it's almost like, yes, you're right, but if I don't do something, I mean, if I don't, if we don't do anything, this guy is going to die, and he was almost like exasperated, like yelling, not not panicked, but he was just like, for that brief second, he kind of lost a little bit of control, and he's like, if I don't do anything, he's going to die, you know, kind of like. We got to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that was a that was a rare moment for him. Um, and I would say, now obviously, there's always a little bit of time between when a pilot first airs, or they film a pilot, they air the pilot, and then they air the rest of the series. I feel like they gave him a little bit more <clears throat> more of a sense of humor. In, in the pilot episodes than they did the rest of the series. Like, he was always very stern and very serious in the in the series. In the pilot, he seemed to have... He was joking a little more. Now, whether it was, like, nervous joking, like, I felt like maybe, you know, when he was in this, this uh, surgery, you know, he was kind of joking around with his surgical team. I don't know if that was... For his benefit, for their benefit, like you know, to kind of Maybe show everybody's, yeah, to <laughs> like they know that he doesn't have <sighs> all that experience yet either. Yeah, but he, he had a he had a few moments of humor and even humanity when you know he's kind of trying to show Carter the ropes. At one point, Carter pops his head in and says, um, "Do you need anything?" And Benton says. Go go eat lunch, and Carter says, "Oh, I'm good, I'm good." And and he takes him outside. And he says, "Listen, when I tell you to eat, go eat because you don't know." He's like, "Whenever you get a chance to eat, you do it because you don't know when your next meal is going to be." He's like, "You don't know if you're going to get so slammed that you may not get another meal for twelve yeah, hours you think or whatever." You're getting dinner, but then you're yeah. too busy. Yeah. So he says, "Whenever you can grab a meal." you eat and 
that was, you know, like I, like I said, I felt like that was a rare moment of humanity from him because in the the regular series, he was very hard on Carter and his other, you know, interns and um, just as just as hard as he was on himself, he was even harder on, you know, his subordinates. Yeah, I, I thought that was a like a, a slight character change from the pilot to to the regular series. You know, and as, as far as the like the episode as a whole, I feel like we don't go into watching these things with the intent of picking it apart. But sometimes it's just fun too because sometimes a lot of the shows we watch are bad or older yeah. or dated. Um I I really couldn't find anything wrong with this episode. I thought it was it was just a tight like a tightly written, tightly acted um episode of television from beginning to end. Like it was almost it could have easily been just a standalone hour and a half whatever movie or just a, a peek into the life of this hospital. Yeah, I um I definitely think it's it, it you know, it was a well written episode and um so many folks who you know, like we said, started or this wasn't their first show but they weren't huge yet, um, who are now huge and like clearly they're they're great actors. Um but then, you know, I even made a note, like even some of the other characters, like regular characters who are not the main characters and I don't recall um, all the names and stuff but like all the orderlies mm-hmm. um, and nurses there's a, the one guy with like the, the dreadlocks yeah I think his name was like Timmy or something or he just like calling out like for where the paramedics are supposed to put mm-hmm. all the different people and um, then there's another guy who's like a bigger guy shaved head yeah with like the jerry yeah Yeah. with like he was in it for a long time he was in it for a lot longer like that first guy with the dreadlocks um who was in showgirls by the way i don't know why i randomly recognize him from the movie (laughs) showgirls which is probably sad for me um but the guy that played jerry god he was on that show forever but i feel like even those actors were just really really good or maybe just really good at these particular roles because mm-hmm. I don't know what else they've done mm-hmm. um, but it just all kind of worked you know the the main characters the supporting characters the writing was good all the nurse all I, I, all the women that played like the nurses again those actresses were on that show forever too mm-hmm. they were all great yeah so it was like everything was good and they they gave you a little bit about a lot of different characters that mm. would or could compel you to come back. Um, honestly, I think the the main thing, and maybe I just gotta shout out, thank you, Steven Spielberg, for for letting Nurse Hathaway come back for being instrumental in that because I probably the biggest piece where I'm wondering like what what's going to happen there 
is that they had alluded to Doug had asked her out at some point in time or or was going to ask her out. Like she or, made a comment like you missed your chance. Yeah, like or maybe they, then, they had dated and it right, didn't go something well or something. Happened. There's definitely some kind of history there. And then, of course, everyone's upset when she comes in having overdosed, but he's distinctly like distraught. Yes. And, you know, I kind of thought to myself like what did happen mm-hmm. in the past with them? Is he in love with her or... You know, what's the deal? Like, she's got this, um, you know, fiancé that was just briefly mentioned when they were kind of questioning and trying to get, like, background on her and everything. And that's the main thing. Like, if I had to say one reason why I would I would continue with the show is it's that storyline. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know what the deal is with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I... Actually, so there were, thinking back now, there were a couple things I found, I, I made notes about that I found funny. Um, they, and, and maybe you thought the same thing, but there was this one scene, it was just, I thought it felt it was very random, and I guess it was probably the only thing I felt was out of place, unless they had intended for this <clears throat> character to be a bigger part of the show or have a recurring role, was that random... Seemed to be seemingly well-to-do older woman that just kind of walked in and was like, "Oh, I have a hangnail." Like she was very right. pleasant. She wasn't like a bitchy rich woman who's like, "I must be seen right now." Clearly, it, she gave the impression that she she was a regular. Like she had come in a lot. Right. But she wasn't like a, a transient, or she wasn't like she didn't look like lower income. She looked very well off. Yeah, so the and uh, you know, it's the pilot episode. I don't remember her at all, so I don't know if she ever comes back. My biggest takeaway from just the pilot was they're trying to show a certain level of like compassion and patience. Like I wrote in my notes like how did they just doctors and nurses in general, how do they have such patience because mm-hmm. they're they're tolerating, like, getting yelled at, families freaking out on them, like, open, opening scenes. Once the nurse gets um, Mark up and he's back to work and handles Doug, and then I think it's like the next thing is somebody somebody dies and he has to go tell his family member, who then proceeds to, like, attack him. Yeah, the basically, like, pushes so him against, like, a vending like, machine, but then, like, breaks down. Right, and, like, so you're dealing with, like, anger, frustration, sadness like depression like and 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 that's only the family members of the people who are injured or mm-hmm. sick or dying or whatever like to then like to treat people on top of like all of there's or, just so much like the patience that they have yeah in every aspect you or, know or or the one case where um there wasn't really a lot to this one but there was a, a trauma brought in it was like a 13 year old like drug dealer who got shot up and they told, like, as they're working on them, they're they're saying, call security, and the one intern says, why? And they said, because because this guy's rival gang might come looking for him here. And it's like, oh, okay, so not only do you have to contend with, like, trying to save someone's life, you got to contend with your own life. Right. And, you know, and again, in this kind of urban environment where you're getting this a variety of 
characters, some of them eccentric, but some of them potentially dangerous and violent. Yeah, and and I think that with that older lady, now granted, they may not have given her that level of attention if they were slammed with, you know, mm-hmm. ten gunshot victims or something, but Mark took her by the arm, escorted her to a room, you know, gave her his full attention, even while she talked about things that had nothing to do with her, quote, injury, which was literally a hangnail. Mm-hmm. Um, but like personal, like, oh, did I tell you about such and such? Or she said, uh, is your wife still in law school? Right. So like clearly they had had these kind of discussions before where she was, you know, and maybe she just came in there because she was one of those people that are just lonely. Right. You know? But they, they gave her what she needed, what she wanted, you know, Mm -hmm. and she leaves, you know, happy, whatever. So... I feel like we may never see her again. I don't know. But I think that her purpose was just to kind of show, like, we help everybody as best mm. we can. We treat everyone as best we can with the same level of respect and, you know, et cetera. So. I guess the the one last thing I have, going back to the the scene or the, the storyline with um, Dr. Green trying to decide whether or not to, you know, stay at the hospital or go into private practice when he goes for, you know, kind of the the meeting or the interview with this prestigious private practice and the, the head doctor is or head partner or whatever physicians walking him around saying, well, this would be your office. We would start you at $120,000 a year. Uh, the firm has a timeshare condo in Jamaica we would send you to all the every con- like all the big conferences and you know Miami and Paris and and I'm thinking sign me up mm-hmm. and he's like yeah I got to think about it I'm like what's there to think about <laughs> yeah how if there's such a discrepancy in the pay between like private practice ER doctors and well, Any you other? Think maybe he makes half that. Who knows? Like Ben made the, a comment. Like he, as a resident, he was making like twenty three thousand dollars. Which, how do you, how do you even, how do you? Yeah, even even twenty some years ago, I don't even know how that's how, how that was possible. Yeah, but like if there is such a discrepancy between different, and we know like different types of doctors, like specialists and stuff. Yeah, okay, I can kind of see a little bit there but like where you work private practice as opposed to ER or maybe even practices themselves if they're bigger smaller I don't know why wouldn't you always go for that type then for like that more prestigious or Mm -hmm. smaller practice or whatever how you know I guess it's like it, it really must be a calling then. Like, yeah. That must be your calling oh, to work yeah, absolutely. in an ER and, with, like, that level of stress and... Well, and, and not only that, but, like, professionally, but personally, I mean, because his... I mean, you know, going in, like, you know, we knew that his his marriage, I mean, his, you know, the, his family life was, like, barely... You know, he's barely hanging on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, taking a job like this would have... Uh, really improved things probably. 
because, you know, he would have been making more money. He would have had better hours. Well, they're, they're and, working like 36-hour shifts or something. Yeah. And yeah. You, you, when you're done with 36 hours, you're exhausted. So even when he comes home, right, he's he probably, probably just, like worthless, you yeah. know. So, yeah, but he... He turned it down. Basically, yeah, decided that he was not going to take this job. Yep, and the rest is history. I mean, Doctor, you know, that the, the character of Doctor Mark Green. I mean, he. I forget when he left the show. I, I won't say how he left the show, because that was a whole story in and of itself, and that probably didn't happen for ten years. Yeah, he was on the show. They they all. I mean, all the main characters stayed on the show for a pretty long time. I think. I think Noah Wiley was. The one that. I don't know if he stayed on the for the entire series run. I know. I think Sherry Stringfield might have been the first to leave, but her character actually came back too. I do remember that. So, yeah. So eventually, like I said earlier in the, in, in the episode, um, you know, there's definitely a, a rotating cast of characters. I mean, so many familiar faces, so many actors that were on this show, even for brief periods of time. Jeez, even like John Stamos, I think was a was a doctor in like the last season. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just goes to show you, Uncle Jesse from Full House was a doctor on ER. <laughs> Did the Beach Boys have a cameo? <laughs> they might have. They 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 might have you know done a rendition of Kokomo. Okay. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I think we I think we've pretty much answered this a couple times over, but would you is this a series you would watch again or watch I guess from the beginning? Um yeah, I I would watch it. I mean, I I feel like they like I said they give you just enough about each character to make them interested and interesting and and you kind of wonder um the most compelling to me though was that Carol and Doug storyline. Mm-hmm. And then probably Mark Green. He seems to be the heart and soul of the ER. And, you know, what I kind of like wonder, like, what drives him? You know, uh, at every turn, you just feel like his wife is going to give him shit. How many times mm-hmm. has she called? And I'm like, lady, your husband works in an ER <laughs> in a major city. It's nonstop. He's either fixing somebody or he's trying to get, like, sleep for 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's, don't call him at work unless yeah. it's, like, <laughs> unless you're dying and need an emergency room doctor. Do not call him at work. But, like, she wants him to get this other job and she's, you know, going to school and for her own very you know, kind of prestigious job. and Yeah, high-pressure, so long-hour yeah, type of job. So you're kind of, like, wondering, like, what's really going to happen here with this marriage? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to end well. So those are probably the two storylines I'm the most curious about at this point in time. And, yes, that's enough for me to, to come back. For me, it's everything. I, <laughs> I forgot, like, in watching this, I forgot how much I missed the show missed the cast missed the the action of it the you know the 
medical drama, the medical action of the the whole life and death situations, the you know just I do want to watch it again. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how how we're going to do it, but it's but it it's a show that I I would like to watch and and I I feel like most of it I would probably remember, but there's like I said there's probably half the series that I just completely zoned out of or just didn't watch. So I feel like that's practically an entire show that would be brand new to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday. Well, you said it ran for 15 years. Yeah, 15 Yeah, fifteen seasons. And I would say I maybe saw five of those. So, like, the majority of this is still new to me also. Yeah. I, I watched up until... Uh, when, when when George Clooney left, that was kind of a big thing. That was like a like a big moment for the show when he left. I think to the point where people were thinking because at that point he had become so big. I think the show itself was even in question. Like, well, how are they going to continue like without survive without him without George Clooney? Uh, clearly, they did, and I you know I continued to watch without him, and they they you know brought in some more. Uh, you know, some other doctors and, you know, so they, they still were able to maintain, uh, I think a high quality of show. I mean, well, you know, clearly they, they did, it went for 15 seasons. I mean, you don't keep a show like that on the air for that long. If it's not, if people aren't watching it. Right. And the fact that they kept the, you know, kept the cast rotating and kept it fresh and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how the how the viewership numbers were, but, you know, I think it's one of those shows that's probably up there as far as popular shows. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we can work it in. Yeah. Let's try and find <laughs> it. At this point, I feel like we'd probably have to find it on DVD because we'd probably find it on DVD used. Um, I feel like otherwise we'd have to buy it through a streaming service and... I think that would, you know, for a show that's, I mean, that's old like that, I don't think there's no there's a need to buy it, you know, spend real money on it. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm sure, I, I think that's a show that you can generally find in resale shops and, you know, use CD places and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, but I think we would both recommend watching this if, you know, if you can find it somewhere. Um Definitely, if if you've gone this long and never watched ER, <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely you should definitely check it out. If if for nothing else, to see young George Clooney, <laughs> that's probably worth it. You just you can't go wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, young everybody actually. I mean, Juliana Margulies, Noah Wiley. Noah I mean, Wiley, I I wrote something in my notes, like a child or something. He looks so young like yeah in i wrote like a kid (laughs) (laughs) i can't even remember him ever looking that young you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like i just yeah and and not that he looks like terribly different now but i mean obviously older still good looking whatever but yeah he just you know he was just such a a kid yeah and he kind of had like floppy hair and Right, like a kind and, of and they really play into that. Look. But 
he as a as a as a person, the mm-hmm. actor looks young and then they play into like he's new he's he's an intern he's had like no experience he did like dermatology Mm -hmm. or something like he he never even you know gave someone an iv or whatever you know but like i think combining his young looking face with the character's inexperience i just kept looking at him going oh my goodness i i (laughs) forgot that he ever ever looked like i forgot about this i'll i'll tell you um you know, I, I, one thing that I, I I would also rewatch it for would be the evolution of Doctor John Carter because it gets to the point later on in the show where he's like he becomes he's a leader. Guy. He yeah. becomes a leader, whereas you know he started he was just a kid. His character, I mean, talk about character development and growth. I mean, he he runs the gamut of of. Uh, you know, character development. Right. And to see him where he started compared to where he ends up is, it's, it's really, it's really neat to watch. So that's another reason why I would, I would watch this show again to see how that character changes and becomes a, a, a valued member of the hospital. Whereas, you know, when he started, he was just, you know, they probably didn't think much of them, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, I think that's about all we have for ER. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll be back. Well, I, I think maybe we'll take a break um, between maybe Christmas and New Year. So, we'll probably be back after uh, the New Year, the first week of 2018 with a new episode. That'll give us some time to... Oh, I'm ready. I've already picked it. Oh, okay. I just didn't tell you. Oh, okay. I'm <laughs> excited now. But we will um we'll tease that upcoming episode. So if you um decide you want to watch it ahead of time and then listen to our episode, you can do that. Uh as always, you can find the Pilot Season podcast uh, on our website. It's Pilot Season Podcast. Uh, blogspot.com or on the social media sites or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you can listen to us on Stitcher, which is pr- which is pretty cool. We're, we are not on iTunes, so don't even look. <laughs> and that's it. So, uh, anything else? I think that's it. Okay. Solid episode. Yes, definitely solid episode. So this has been episode 18 of the Pilot Season Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jen. And we'll see you next time.